everybody, it's us again. It's the bitches who need advice, but are here to give you advice. <laughs> um, as always, as the last podcast that we talked about, I'm Agnia. I identify myself as a cisgender female. Um, and right now for today's topic, I am living with my parents and I'm about to move out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, okay, so um, my name is Sarai. I also identify as a cis female. Um, we are talking about kind of like Agnia said, getting your shit together by the time you're 30. Um, for me, I had a very unique, or probably not unique to a lot of millennials, but I moved out of my parents' house when I was 24. I'm a sing- I was a single mom at that time, so I had a five-year-old. And we were living in a one-bedroom apartment, and I was living check to check, so it just wasn't the lifestyle I thought it was going to be. Um, and I kind of really felt that pressure of trying to get your life together um, before 30. So at that time, I only had six years to get a career, um, you know, buy a house and all that stuff. So we'll get into that more, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hi, everyone. My name's Charnel, and I'm as well goes... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm an cisgender woman. I go by she, her pronouns. And um, yeah, today's topic, getting your shit together before 30. So I'm 26. I'm going to be 27 next month. I actually never moved out. The most I've been away is when um, I was a freshman year of college at ASU. I did this program. I, I blanking out on the name of it, but lived in the dorm for five weeks. That's why I knew I'm like, I'm staying at home. <laughs> and then my um, junior year of college, I studied abroad for about two months. And honestly, that's the most I've been away at home. So I don't know, getting your shit together can, it's not, people define it in different ways. So it's not one at all catch all experience. So how I define it is I don't consider myself as a real adult just because still with my parents. I still don't have to pay all of my bills. Never moved out before. Yes, I traveled 25 countries, finished my bachelor's and my master's degree, but despite all, and working five jobs, not at one time, but throughout my whole, um, basically 20s so far. And, um, and it, despite doing all that, I don't define that as like adulting. I still have a lot to grow up still. So, um, and, and today we actually have a guest, her name is Ray, and I want her to be on this podcast because she defies basically the status quo of getting your shit together in your 20s, like getting married, having kids, having a stable career, and she'll talk about that a little um, soon. So she traveled, she was a nanny, so, and she'll talk about that. Oh, so hey, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Hi. Um, so Agnia, did you want to define what getting your shit together is before we yeah. get into the questions? Yeah, yeah, of course. So as Chanel was saying, uh, it's a topic that it means a lot of things for different people. I think it has to entail getting. Um, a place by yourself, not living with your parents. Um, maybe if you have a partner, share, share the bills with them. Um, and there is a lot of societal pressure to do that before you're 30. Uh, however, 
with my friends is not really the case. And um, it's a very interesting topic that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, so going right into it, um, Ray, can you tell us a little bit about your, your story, your life story and how um, you kind of started this adventure? Yeah. So, okay. So I'm 26. I'll be 27 in November, which is crazy. Like time just, yeah. 2020 doesn't count, right? We're just like <laughs> skipping that. But actually 2020 was kind of amazing and crazy in the difficulty. So we'll also get to that. Uh, Cause obviously everything is completely changed about what it even means anymore um, to get your shit together as you know, as we know now, like it doesn't matter if you even had your shit together, plenty of people all of a sudden lost everything. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see the fallback and, and what happens next. And I really hope that people see the way that I live and how there's a growing movement of essentially the hustle economy. But more than that, it's just finding your passions and not sticking to one thing, right? Because a lot of people, okay. So I'll give you my background. Who am I? So my name is Ray. Uh, I grew up in LA and I was really lucky because I have two parents who kind of showed very different ways of living and at the same time, very, um, pretty normal, right? Like very standard. So I have a dad who was a lawyer and he was constantly at work, very much not around for my childhood and a mother who from a young age, she's 10 years younger than my father. And when she was 23, they got married and had her first child at 24, which is kind of insane to me now being like, I know 24 year olds, I don't think that they can handle that. Um, and that's really intense. You know, that's a lot of responsibility when what even is it to be responsible of ourselves? And what does getting your shit together mean, right? So we'll also, we'll cover that in a sec. So my mom was a, she's a property manager. She takes care of apartment buildings and like the tenants. And as a result of having this like both full-time job, but also loose schedule, she really firmly wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And this was her way of doing it. You know, they needed a two income, two incomes to, to have kids, especially in Los Angeles. I don't know why they live in Los Angeles. This is such an, an expensive city. And they don't even do anything. <laughs> like, I really don't get why they do this, but that's fine. Um, that's their priority was, you know, the weather here. And I, I, don't, I don't know. So, <laughs> I, so it was interesting to see growing up as like an ADD kid with a lot of passions and not a lot of like awareness of what I want to do. Like, it, you know, some people are just lucky enough to see their clear career and be like, okay, that, that's what I like to do, what I want to do, and what I know will make me money. And those are three completely separate things that none of us usually have, right? Unless you go into being like a doctor in which you're studying for eight years and that surrounds you, most of us don't know what we really want to do. And what does it mean what we do? Are we talking how we make money? Are we talking about what we enjoy and what we find excitement in. And those are such separate things. I remember, so yeah, so 
I remember thinking when I was young, like as a little, little child being like, ah, shit, I'm never going to have a normal job. And I knew that. And it's true. <laughs> I went to college in New York, you know, went away, um, worked my entire time there. My parents helped me pay for college, which I'm really privileged and lucky to have had. But even through working and doing all this stuff and getting an internship, my assumption still, you know, at this point was, okay, so I'm in college. Uh, I'm going to, when I'm finished, I'm going to move to New York City. I'm going to get an unpaid internship while having three jobs on the side. I thought I had everything figured out. I was like, I'm going to um, be an unpaid intern either at an NGO or at a theater and I'm going to walk dogs and sell drugs as side hustles. I was planning to sell drugs. I was like, I'll make a great drug dealer. No one will expect that thing. And that was literally like, as a 22 year old, I was like, that's it. That's how it's going to be. Uh, and then I'll, I'm going to work, you know, the corporate ladder. They'll get, I'll find a job. Through that time, I'll probably have a partner. Um, you know, we'll get married once we're both in our masters or whatever. Like, you know, you just, but the truth is, this is an American concept. And I learned that when the first time I learned that was I went on my year abroad to Scotland and I lived there for a year and I came back and was like, holy shit, Europe is awesome. And it's so different from American culture. So if you're Scottish, if you're French, if you're Italian, when you are ready, when you're 17 and you're told, okay, you're going to college, which first of all, bullshit. Um, I like how the beep was right at as if it was like. <laughs> it doesn't like when I curse. So, they live with their parents. Oh, sorry. That's my phone. <laughs> that was my computer. There we go. So you live with your parents, and especially in Italy, you live with your parents until you basically are married and ready to have a family, which can be in your 30s, right? Like the status quo we know when it comes to partnership is completely changing, which kind of is already getting our generation into this weird funk of like, okay, so everything's shifted. I can have kids actually when I'm, you know, when I'm in my 30s or you know, I can, it's okay not to have a partner or it's okay to have a partner and not want children or it's okay to have children and still ask my family for help to be able to support myself or, you know, and, and to date around and like whatever it is. And I would love to hear more about your story with your child because that sounds fascinating. Um, and I'm sure I could learn so much from you. But it's, it's really not easy. And our generation doesn't have money, but I think we're also a way happier generation, right? Like we're more woke, we're more aware, we're figuring shit out. And I, I just love all of like the Boonamer uh, articles where it's like, why aren't, why aren't millennials buying diamonds? <laughs> I can barely afford like a bag of avocados in New York. After college, what really that pivotal point of between me going, okay, I'm getting an interview, I'm going to move to New York, I'm going to do the thing, this is my life track, that's 
a career move and that's what defines me was I got a job being a summer camp counselor in Italy and I went to work there and I figured okay so I'm gonna work in Italy for a summer do my whole like you know European adventure move to the city settle down and then when the summer was ending I was offered to be an au pair right to be a nanny for to live in a, with a family in Italy in like this rural 300 person village and I was just like you know what fuck yeah let's do yeah why not I'll put you know I'm young I'll push I can push New York off push it off another few months so then I went and started nannying for a few months and when that was over because you know uh, Americans can only stay for three months in Europe and I tried to be sneaky and get around that they don't like when you do that I got I got in trouble. <laughs> I got put in immigration jail for a few hours in Eng in England but it's cool um, I'm white passing everything's it's so upsetting but the reality is I was okay they basically just said you know be careful and like don't do that so I actually got grounded from Europe an extra three months and that was a whole other thing. And that's all it was. It was an extra slap in the wrist. But from this moment where I started, okay, I was like, okay, so now, now what? You know, because I keep tasting these weird freedoms and I'm also growing closer to now I should move to New York. Now I should move to New York. And as I'm, I was, um, not allowed in Europe, I was planning to, to do a little extra traveling. And so I was in England, because legally I could be there. And I had a friend in, um, in Israel, who was like, why don't you come to Israel and just, you know, for a few last hurrah, fun uh, times. And okay, so now more backstory. So I am Jewish. I was raised Jewish. Um, one side of my family is Holocaust survivors, the other half are basically barely escaped. They're all were like forged documents and, and whatever they had to do to get to this country in Canada to survive. So as a Jewish person, a lot of people don't know this. It's like a secret, it's a, it's a Jew secret. But if you're Jewish, you can legally become a citizen of Israel. Now, backing up, way before then, I was a pretty serious, um, I would say anti-Zionist at the time. I really didn't like the word Zionism. I, to be fair, I think it's really misunderstood. And it also, Israel's kind of like the, the government's terrible. And I'm extremely now, especially living there, I'm very critical of Israel. And you start to see, and we can all relate because we live in a, a garbage can fire called America, that the more you love something, the more you're going to criticize it because you want it to change. Mm -hmm. So I was really, I didn't like the idea of going to Israel, but I was like, you know what? Fine. I really, something in my heart kept pushing off New York, kept pushing off this normal life. So I went to see my friend. I figured I'd be there two weeks. Two weeks turned into three months. I came back after that, those three months got a visa, a, uh, a, I got a work visa and moved to Israel. And that was almost four years ago. So what the hell happened in between? <laughs> 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 During that time, 
when I was in Israel for those three months, like this is a country that I thought I understood. I thought it was a either full of, um, what's the word, colonialist, like Westernized people who, uh, who it's a bit war torn. I thought, you know, people sucked. Basically I thought Israelis sucked and <laughs> I didn't really know anything about it. And when I got there, first of all, it was my, this was my big first time traveling alone alone. Once my friend left for two weeks, I was alone in a country without knowing the language for two and a half months. And it was the safest place I've ever traveled. I hitchhiked and stayed on couches. I never paid for a place. I ended up being invited to festivals. I ended up uh, working on farms. I almost didn't spend any time in big cities. I was mostly in farms and meeting so many hippies and these people who lived just with freedom. And Israel's an expensive country. It's essentially an island mentality. Think like Hawaii. Um, I love how that's all I can think of. But <laughs> England, how expensive the pound is. Just these places where everything's imported. There's huge, it's also a socialist state. So everyone has free health care. Again, not familiar with this concept. Uh, people are also family oriented. And I got the opportunity to discover that in Italy. When I was living in Italy and then live traveling Israel, I saw a way of life where people deeply cared about each other without knowing each other. They, everyone was your brother and sister. Everyone was family for good or for bad. You would have like it'll, Italians and Israelis have a lot of similarities besides being Catholic and Jewish. And they're very Mediterranean people and they act like your family. So awareness of as you travel, you get to see deeply uh, and intimately how other cultures work and how, how narrow Americans are. At 17, we're told you have to apply to college. At 18 through 22, you have to, you're studying full-time, most of Americans have to get uh, student loans, are in debt most of their life because of it. Outrageously expensive prices, right? And for what? It doesn't even matter. You end up with an unpaid internship for years. And is that even what you love to do? And do our careers even define us? So these are the bigger questions that I started to be like, what is happening? Because for me, with my ADD brain and my awareness of there's so much I want to discover. I love information. I love knowledge. The more I would interact with something, the more I wanted to go down the rabbit hole. And then, you know, people tell you, adults tell you, your parents tell you, you need to pick one thing. You can have hobbies, but you need to pick one thing. And I was like, I can narrow it down to five. <laughs> like, is that, can we compromise on this? And you see in Israel and in Italy and in these parts of Europe, and I haven't even gone to the East. Like this, this year was my big plan, like to go do the nomad thing in India. So, <laughs> nope. Here, I have a college degree that nobody cares about. <laughs> I really, after two years, I was talking about something and he's like, wait, you went to college? It's like, you're going to that, what, 200,000 grand? Like, I don't even, fuck, fuck. So, and that's the thing. So in Israel, like, in Israel, they don't have that option. 
they don't go to school at 18 because that doesn't exist. They have mandatory draft into the army. Mm. And this also plays into the development of the culture and the people because so Israelis, their entire life are basically told if you're, if you're Jewish Israeli, because right, you can be Muslim Israeli and Christian Israeli, and then you have Palestinian. There's a lot of different uh, forms. It gets very complex and we won't have to get into that. But what's fascinating to me was Israelis throughout their whole life knew you're going to go into the army at 18 for three to four years. Like you have to do that. And it's a pretty decent deal. It's not like America where you do eight months drafts. Like Israelis are, again, they're teenagers, but they're teenagers with AK-47s, which is a little, you would think is scary. And, and Charnel has visited me in Israel and it's just kind of ridiculous. You're like, they're literally teenagers with like bubble gum lipstick and their AK-47 being like, selfie. <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous because everyone also feels a sense of acceptance. Everyone has that love. It's pretty safe unless they're in like the front lines, but we haven't had a war and you can read up more on this, but it also creates this separation where every Israeli will tell you that the army is bullshit. They'll just be like, that was a waste of my life. But what you get out of that is, first of all, it can create a lot of different things. So you're forced into going into a mind, it's the exact opposite of university, and yet it plays the same role. You're forced into something that you don't get to decide over. The only thing you get to decide in the army is roughly where you would like to be stationed. So like some people want to go into, um, medical field and some people are in intelligence and some people like it just little that's all you have to decide just like in college medical you know anthropology blah and then you're told what to do every single day for like two and a half years and your mind starts instead of becoming like a good soldier almost everyone is like this is really stupid and a waste of my time and you end up with all and on top of that Jewish culture, like how I was raised and a lot of Israelis were raised, it's crazy, like it's very similar, is questioning everything. Asking why, why should I do this? Why should it be like this? Why would God say that? And I'm not religious anymore, but I'm so happy that I was raised in this absolutely ridiculous religion because it made me question things already, which already gave me a, a head start. So you have this culture, right? You have these society, of people who were told you're going to be in the army. And then they're like, this is the stupidest thing I've had to do. People just tell me to sweep a freaking dirt road. I have a friend who literally her job was what they handed her a broom and said, we need you to sweep the path. The path was made of dirt. That was what she did for, she was like, whatever. When you come out of that, you then travel for a year because the army gives you a tiny bit of money. And that accumulates into like, I don't know about, $1,000 maybe roughly. And with that money, most kids just go and travel South America or India. So then they have this immersive experience in a different culture and a completely, you know, life altering, whatever. They come back and then they're usually ready for university. So they're already like, what the fuck did I just learn from the past four years? I, most people I know started university. I call it university now because I've been in Israel so long, but people start college at like, 24 to 28 years old. So they're already 
way farther out than Americans who cast is called or the, the theme is it's okay not to have your shit together before you're 30. Yes. <laughs> it really is. It really yeah. is. So um, I was hearing that it, it, it has to do a lot with the culture, right? Where in really America, know. it's very like fast paced. You need to do certain things before your 30s. In, in your life in Israel, you learn that it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. That's the biggest lie that we learn as Americans. And that's why there's so much, I think, fear. Mm -hmm. in us that 30 is this weird cutoff that we're just going to magically have everything together yeah like first of all millennials <laughs> again we don't have money and second the rest of the world is not like america the rest of the world does not feel this horrible pressure i'm sure in some places but and yeah and, and so i that's really what got me i'm so lucky to experience this like the, where I got to see that and I immediately said, I want that. Mm -hmm. I don't want this stress anymore. I don't want, I don't want to be an unpaid intern. That's what I was looking forward to. And that's selling what, drugs. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Would you say that your, so your traveling experience, what I'm hearing is your traveling experience really kind of pushed you to defy that status quo and kind of showed you not everyone does it this way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You, would you say you were nervous when you were making that decision of like, when you kept saying like, I'm going to push New York back a couple of months, did that make you nervous at all? It did. It worried me because I felt that I was behind in a race. I felt that, well, I keep pushing it off, even if it's a year. Again, I'm what, 22 at this point in, in this story. And I was like, well, everyone else is already getting their summer jobs. And we see it all of this way and I was like oh my like I was like well this will be good for me and my personal development and I kept saying that that was became my mantra was like it's for personal development but then when I was in Israel that's when I was like I need to move here because this is the culture I want this is the kind of thinking I want and I want to be around people who I don't have to be constantly uh what's the word um I don't have to be constantly defending myself right? And my reasons for doing things. So when I moved there, I was pretty nervous, but that's when I started getting creative. And this is my biggest, um, to your audience, advice is get creative with jobs, with the hustle economy. I knew immediately I'd be hustling and I knew it'd be most of my life would, I never wanted one big career. And I was able to come to that big realization that career doesn't define me. I don't need to set up on one thing because it's not going to take a lifetime. The lifetime career that we need to be working on is our personal development, right? It's our own inner selves. It's understanding our own needs and how to share those needs and express them. It's, it's how to emotionally take, how to take emotional responsibility for ourselves and stop hurting each other and feeling hurt by others. And this is a whole other conversation I go, go into. Um, and I'm about to get, oh, I'm getting so excited. Okay. So I'll tell you a few of the crazy jobs that I've done in the last uh, four years, right? So it's all started with the au pair where I was a live-in nanny. So I had a room and board. I had weekends and pretty much evenings free. And from there, I started to um, 
I, and they paid me like almost nothing. Like it was a hundred euros a week, which you pretty much spent. I would spend it half of that by the time I even finished being an au pair. So it was more like, you know, not So part of a big tip is if you're not sure or you're scared about, oh, well, this doesn't pay or something. If you can counterbalance pay and work, uh, sorry, uh, pay and room and board with like a little bonus or, you know, work a quick job online. Like there's so many teaching um, Chinese students right now. I have a friend who does as a full-time job. She's 35. She lives just basically in different places. So she changes her scenery every three months. She's a complete party animal, 36, going strong. Uh, and she, as a full-time job, teaches English online. It pays $14 an hour and she just needs an internet connection and she puts a map in back of her so there's always a backdrop and from there she's like as, you know she can work she can do this she does that for six hours a day while she's in thailand though so that's one way of of living and she doesn't want kids and that's very like that's fair so her you know that's her lifestyle and she's someone who as you can imagine she's from like the midwest constantly in her entire life people being like when are you going to settle down when are you going to stop traveling when you and she's like never i'm happy with this she never intended to teach english this long she doesn't have even a future goal of anything more than just enjoying her life and that's enough of a goal for her my favorite these are my three passions of life and i really ask you guys to think about what are your passions in life and you can find a way to make money from those. So that's the next thing, right? Um, okay. okay, so I was an au pair, right? Uh -huh. I worked like that for several months. When I got, when I was finished with that, I worked on a few farms where I wasn't making any money, but I also wasn't spending any money. Mm -hmm. And that was a beautiful way to reconnect to the earth, to read, to just like be quiet. You meet crazy bitches. You meet amazing humans when you're farming and traveling and you are open to yes, you know, when you're open to that experience and nothing can be under beneath you. I used to think like, Oh, working in a, um, as a bartender or working in retail, you know, I have a college degree. And then when I went to Israel and started making money, I, my very first job was for a week. I worked, uh, in a juice bar and I quit after one week. And then the week after that, I quit because I had a, the boss kept yelling at me and it was very scary and I kept crying. <laughs> I know, it was really sad. <laughs> the second week, I got a job being a, like a kindergarten person, like basically uh, working in a kindergarten where I just hung out with babies. And every day of that job, I told my boss, I don't like this. I'm just doing it for the money. <laughs> And then one day, he and I were talking. Um, I went vegan for a whole other ridiculous reason, and I'm still vegan now. And, uh, and it was a vegan kindergarten, very bougie. And he said he, uh, the, the owner, which was a guy, very progressive, uh, also his own, he has an incredible story. Oh, he's from Mexico and discovered that his mother was secretly Jewish and decided to move to Israel to start a new life. And he opened up a kindergarten because he loves children. So also, in, and he's like 26 now. It, he started this kindergarten out of, his, out of his own apartment when he was 23. Also incredible, right? 
So he said, he was like, you, you cook vegan. Would you be down to be like the chef here? And he and I started talking about it and he had never had a chef. He just would, he was cooking all the food, hiring people, like organizing him so much for him. And as his kindergarten was growing, I said, that sounds amazing. We, we hashed out a deal. I asked some people what an appropriate amount would be for paying. And I became a vegan kindergarten chef for a year. And that, yeah. And that gave me time to work on other things. I was able to start that was how I supported myself in my apartment. And I was able to slowly, you know, I was doing some barter exchange. I also a big life tip, barter exchange, exchanging knowledge, passion, labor, whatever you can for other information, love, labor, massages, all of this stuff. You don't have to use monetary stuff. You don't have to use money. If you can replace it with a value instead of uh, money, you don't need to make as much money. And that's a lot of my life is I also am a huge saver uh, that I got. I don't, I want to make a Jew joke, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie though. It stems from a immigration fear that uh, I'm sure that some of your families have as well of, we don't know what, if we, if we're safe here. And I'm sure like in this growing America, it's like, it's really scary. And we don't know where, if we're all safe at, at different points or what safety even means anymore. Is it just a roof over our head or is it more? So for my parents, they taught me whatever you have saved, uh, whatever you're making a month or even on a week, because I mostly work uh, an hour by hour jobs. I've almost never had, I think I once in my life for two months, that's all I could make it having a salary job. Other than that, my entire life, it's been per hour. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it is amazing because it really gets to show you for by the hour, your labor is worth. And you get to then decide like, what is my labor worth? Because that is not your full life, right? Career does not have to be the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so from being a kindergarten teacher, I had a lot, or, uh, sorry, kindergarten chef, I had a lot of free time where I would start exploring this new city I was living in, in Tel Aviv. I would hang out with people. People were extremely friendly and talkative and always sharing joints. Weed is illegal, but it, literally everyone smokes. You smell it everywhere. So you start talking and I started basically interviewing people and getting stories out and, and learning about things. And I was like, and all of this happening, I have all these friends who are just, you know, from America being like, what the hell, you live in Israel? I want to visit. And I had friends who were in Europe or whatever and traveling who started staying with me, who'd come to visit. And also my roommate was from Canada, the same thing. We have friends who are on farms. And so people would just constantly stay with us. And suddenly I was giving them like little tours of my neighborhood or of Tel Aviv, bringing them places. And I was like, shit, I should be a tour guide. So then I started figuring out how to be a tour guide. I started offering it to friends' parents when they came because, you know, I'm not going to offer to my friends who have no money, but their parents have money, right? <laughs> parents have I started asking around and seeing and looking online and messaging people. And I started building my own tour and I sold it to a few people. I started working with some new companies 
um, eventually that was two years ago. That led me to working in a hostel. I was working in reception. I started doing tours for them. I started doing events for them. And this is kind of all the while doing this, having a time to learn about gardening stuff and work on community gardens and work on community building and do a lot of free projects that instead of it being like this unpaid, oh, I'm trying, it was my passion projects that other people were excited about and how to build those up. And it was, it's, I haven't bought clothing in like two years and I constantly have new stuff because people are constantly having like clothing exchanges or you have secondhand sales where we work in different ways because this is our new world and I'm grateful for it. And it can be frustrating because we're in this shift, right? We're in a shift of money is everything to actually love and community is kind of everything, right? It's, it's being supported and, and treating ourselves with respect and love. And that shift is hard in a capitalistic world. I'm not saying it's easy. I have lived paycheck to paycheck. There have been times that I'm freaking about, out about, you know, my friends want to go out to eat and I've said, I'll sit with you, but I'm not going to order anything. And that's also a big part of the hustle economy and hustle lifestyle I'm doing is it is insecure. You have to trust in yourself, but it is insecure and you have to you have to realize that you're not going to be paying for cocktails. I just don't buy drinks. Like it seems ridiculous to me. I go to a corner store. I can buy a six pack. I can sit. Okay. Not in America, but we uh, have open container laws there. So you can go to the beach and have a beer for a date. I'm not going to pay 12, $15 for a cocktail. That's two hours of labor sometimes. And that's the more you save. So my dad taught me and I'm so grateful for, for this kind of, uh, fear-based system, but it worked, which was whatever you have left after your needs are met, as in like once your rent is paid and you know your groceries, how much they're going to be, take that and save it. Or take at least 10, 20%, whatever you can, and put it away. Just pretend it doesn't even exist. Once that stuff is met and it accumulates, you don't need to be buying these big things. You don't need to be buying cocktails and dresses and sometimes it is nice and when it's when you really want something when you want to go to a concert or a festival or good drinks you know that you have a little bit of that and for times when you're between jobs or you know part of being a tour guide what sucked is if it was raining or um or a group was coming and i was gonna make like eight hundred dollars maybe and i was super stoked for that if they canceled that was it that was, that was my entire rent just gone, right? So those were a lot of stuff. I'm actually now, so when COVID hit, we're at near the end now, COVID hit in March. I was the very first person out of my friend groups to get laid off because I was working at a hostel and doing tours and there were no tourists. So I was the canary basically. And all of a sudden, I was freaking out. I thought about working for, you know, teaching kids online. I was figuring out what could be done. Uh, the government was giving us a pretty terrible stipend, which it still is, but it at least helped with rent. And I have, I'm blessed with a landlord who doesn't give a fuck. And he, and he also owns a lot of property. And he said like, 
you will have to make rent up, which I, but if you can't pay it, pay what you can and just keep paying that and we'll, we'll figure it out later. So I have deep respect for that. Um, he's also a super rich dude. So I was, I was like, all right, this is chill. And I just started, instead of searching for the next thing, I just took a break and I took a pause. And I realized that I had so many life plans. I was gonna go to India. I was going to actually start my master's in Spain in ecological tourism this, uh, this October. And they don't know this because they won't call me back, but I'm trying to defer right now <laughs> because we're in a global pandemic. And now's not a good time to move to a new, uh, new country. So it kind of, you know, the world fell apart, but I was kind of already used to complete another change and something going awry. And I had built up this savings for travel and for stuff like that. That unfortunately, like I said, I blew through rent, but at least I had that option. And what I've been doing, and I started this a year ago while I was doing my tours and I was feeling more confident in the steady work. I started taking a few classes in, uh, in my other main passions. So I'm very passionate about sustainability and, the, and environmental and plants and plant medicine. I'm also very passionate about travel and tourism and this concept of community and nomads, right? This nomad life of local economy of helping and under and dropping into a world instead of like a hotel and you're separated with these is dropping into a new world and experience. I wanted people, tourists to see what it was like living in that city or that country. Just like I got to experience by, by being a crazy traveler who, you know, I was, I hitchhike everywhere. I try to couch surf when I can. Um, and I have, that's a whole, again, a whole other topic of conversation of how to do that safely and what does that mean? But so I got, and I really want to bring that. And then my third favorite topic, which I haven't talked about at all, is being a healer and recognizing the, the fact that I was someone who throughout my life has been holding space for people, who's been a huge listening ear, who has not, apparently I'm a very non-judgmental person, which is a great compliment to receive for me. And it just kind of occurred to me that actually all my life, what I'm building up to was doing all this inner work and discovering me. And, and so many people just didn't have that. So I started taking classes in all of these different forms, in um, different medicine women work, in understanding my menstrual cycle. Um, and I, I, you guys actually stated your um, pronouns and all of that. So if you want, I can now, I've gone through a whole struggle. I consider myself to be non-binary for years. And now I'm actually at this new point where I'm like, okay, gender is fluid, gender is fluid. Because I recently went off the pill and started bleeding and started feeling very connected with the concept that those are just the curtains with the concept of the feminine divine and what does it mean to be a woman? And I'm still figuring that out. And it's a whole new process. And it's a little scary being in America with, if you are non-binary, you pretty much go by they. And that was really scary for me because I was like, I don't need to go by they. 
I don't need to go, I don't care about she, he, in Hebrew, you use, everything's pronoun. So sometimes I would use male pronouns just for fun. And I enjoyed it. And people would try and correct me. And I'm like, they're like, ah, but you're a girl. I'm like, am I? I deliberately be like, you don't know that. <laughs> and that's what I brought to Israel is a lot of people had never experienced the concept of questioning your gender or what does it mean to be feminine and masculine and man and woman and male, female. And so I brought a whole lot of that to a lot of people in my life uh, over there. That is my contribution. And again, it's something to talk about another time. But this brought me into learning about my menstrual cycle, learning about moon phases. Then I started doing this stuff. And, and now I'm actually a certified tantric uh, masseuse, which is essentially sexual healing. It's a huge interest of mine. I just want people to know that they deserve pleasure. And it's all a part of not only self-love, but self-pleasure. Allowing yourself to not only take that compliment, but to get that compliment from yourself. And so this is a whole new phase in my life, right? I'm no longer a Torah guide. I'm no longer doing all these little things. I've, you guys don't even know what I studied at college and you don't need to know because it doesn't matter. It just brought me to this point now. And now I'm taking a life coaching course and I'm going to start hustling and life coaching and helping people understand thoughtful and mindfulness and understand their goals and needs. Just like I've been so lucky to experience and stumble through my whole life. So it's a pretty wild ride and I'm excited to just keep at it. Um, so that's it. That was a full probably hour of me talking about a lot of it. Uh, if you guys have more questions for me, please. Or if you want to talk about your own experiences. Ooh, compared to that. Sharnell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, who are the same age, I haven't lived with my parents in 10 years. No, not 10 years. In eight and a half years. And actually now being home, I'm home right now uh, to see my family, to be with them. I hadn't seen them in six months. It's really hard. And I have no idea how you guys are doing this for all your life. But like, kudos to you. And keep strong because, wow, this is... I have a lot of unlearning to do and childhood like trauma that I didn't realize mm. is, I'm so stuck in coming here. I'm like, Oh good. Like, let's have at it. This is uncomfortable and this hurts and I'm not used to this constraint, but it's a new adventure to, to conquer and hurdle. And hopefully I'll get be closer with my parents. So, okay. Now you can have the floor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Before I feel like you start. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like you answered most of them, but Agni, did you have a question? I just had a little comment. Please. Um, as you were talking, your life, it just sounds, I mean, everything about you, it's just <laughs> so fluid and so out there where I feel like I've, I've lived my life with a plan, with a timeline, with a strain, and it's just, it feels suffocating. For you, like, for you, you like, the box, I wasn't there. And you just, like, flew away like a little bird, you know? And I love it. And I, I just, I'm <laughs> so inspired by you. It's, it's amazing. I'm in, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of your life. Thank you. A big part of that is just, like, 
saying yes and exploring and mm -hmm. honestly sometimes just asking questions of things that seem to find so consider it's just about realizing yeah this box you can actually just go right outside just blow it out just be like can i ask? you never even be like this isn't a question i thought i could ask just ask it see see what happens see what happens when you start to play with society norms also crazy shit starts to happen yeah like one cool yeah. thing i noticed after listening to you speak was because of the fluidity you had you have such a better work life balance than i have ever had in my entire life which is so <laughs> admirable right now I'm unemployed so I'm kind of same I feel like I've just started this like understanding myself what are my hobbies and it's this cool journey that I'm barely starting at 27 and it seems like you know you've had this opportunity because you've kind of lived the hustle life you have had the opportunity to kind of discover yourself and read and do things that was a luxury for me when I was working eight to five jobs so right. I think that that's 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 awesome it was really cool to hear you speak about that it was awesome thank you so much yeah and it's um that's the blessing of covid that's the reality that i think millions billions of people are discovering is they are slowly being like oh i'm i'm not working shit shit oh oh i have all the it's that question of if you have all the time in the world what would you be doing and of course it's stressful right now, but it's, at least it's a time to question that. And I'm really proud of you for discovering your hobbies. And I hope that you're carving out time to, to work through that and maybe even question, how can I turn some of these hobbies into side hustles? Yeah. And it's okay to have hobbies for the sake of hobbies. Yeah. It's okay to enjoy drawing and not turn it into a business either. I love drawing and people always want me to like try and sell or they're like, why aren't you? Cause I just enjoy it, you know, yeah. and allow that. Yeah. So I'm really proud of you for recognizing that. Yeah. I think it's such an American thing, you know, mm -hmm. like <clears throat> you got to hustle. You don't have time for hobbies. You don't have time for a social life. You know, we live in such an individualist, individualistic society, whereas everyone else is, lives in like collectivism society yeah so because yeah yeah once i start from your family say it again where it's normal to have help from your family it's oh yeah definitely to, have to leave your children with your parents that's completely natural or to to be working for your parents and that's you know here it's like oh well that's nepotism there it's just the family business mm -hmm. right and having that that being okay or living with your family multiple generations in a house completely understandable and to allow yeah crazy to me i don't know Sharna, how you doing by the way in terms of i see you with that pop i'm proud of you also oh well donating all of your stuff by the way people i'm still i'm still donating the black white organization so <laughs> Not for the good sake of, of yes. charities. <laughs> That's the real reason. The only thing that I spend money on when I am like, this is frivolous, is if it goes to a good cause, because then you feel good about yourself. And you're giving actual money is also important. So definitely donate. Donate. Yeah. I think, like you said, it's kind of like the blessing of COVID. Like, you kind of 
like you just never realized you how you never got to self-reflect like what the hell do I want to do you know like you had that time for self-reflection so I had time to say like hey I want to help out like black led organization and plus it's time to clean all my room so (laughs) (laughs) and how we always want to start a podcast and now we have time for that we have you know so it sucks you know because the world's gonna end <laughs> but also a blessing like you said in disguise. yeah only america <laughs> but also a blessing because you know we're realizing like our passions our purposes in life so i mean i think as millennials we already knew that capitalism is horrible and the american system of oh god just like so much like the rampant racism the the police situation we've got going that's the prison system the freaking everything is so steeped into either like racial inequality and monetary gain like there's no i mean they're all intertwined but people for the first time when you aren't constantly having to work and you're not constantly tired all the time from working and making money and trying to survive when you stop and get to breathe you realize there's something inherently wrong with this system. Yeah. There's something, the fact that we don't have healthcare, the fact that we're in a pandemic where most of the world has just shut itself down, taken away trans- public transportation, said citizens are more important, lives are more important to us. America sitting here with, like, I don't know, our finger up our ass. Honestly, I wish, but <laughs> sitting. <laughs> It would be oddly good for everyone. healer. Just saying for the guys out there listening. Diet, you got their prostate there. Opens new worlds. Opens new worlds. So we're sitting here with like, of course people, and, and when I was in Israel, people were like, what the fuck is going on in America that they're rioting in the streets? There's, a pandemic and I was like dude we don't even have health care like there are people that it's a death sentence no matter what so you may as well go out in the streets and fight because this is the time to do it this is the only time people have been able to breathe and realize oh and and self-reflect on what is my government really doing for me what is working these horrible backbreaking hours with what the fuck is minimum wage here doing to me and doing to the people I love because we're now finally going, Oh shit, this is a problem. Our government does not care about us. Individualistic society is not favorable and it's leaving us feeling alone and scared. And it's time to change things. So I'm, it's yeah i don't think we're in an apocalypse but we're definitely in a sh- we're in the shit before before the revolution we're just in the thick yeah. of it. it's gonna suck for a while yep yeah. <laughs> sorry us <laughs> work to be done so girls do we want to ask more questions because i feel like she answered most of them yeah you gave out the advice I want to also just hear about maybe what are some new passions that you discovered that you're into? Sorry, my podcasting. Podcasts, <laughs> oh come on. Honestly, this mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. you know me and Saudi uh, 
had been the talks, like starting a YouTube channel about topics like this, basically. Amazing. We talk, we've been talking about this for like years. Since we were in college. Since we were in college. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we actually have time, we're doing it and, and it's very exciting. Yeah. And I'm glad like a lot of people are interested. So, hey, maybe this can become something, you know? That'd be awesome. I'd listen to it. I wanted to ask you, honestly, Ray, what I am dealing with right now is I'm trying to move away from my parents. Well, I'm trying to move uh, away from, like, just move out, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure from my family to start my life as, at a certain age and blah, blah, you know, get married, the whole deal. I'm wondering if you had to deal with that and how you set those boundaries up for with you and your family or if you're still dealing with, with it now when you're back home <laughs> really good question um i'm really curious also to hear from you how old are you i'm 24. so you're 24. Mm -hmm. have you been working before covid yeah yeah just like here and there i just graduated um from my, with a master's so like i've just been a student my whole life pretty much yeah which can be super difficult i have a lot of friends who are like lifetime my brother was a student he got his phd but he was in school until he was 30. yeah he has never had a real job still like he's a scientist who's work an entrepreneur whose lab is in my parents garage oh wow <laughs> and he finally last year got a grant he's just applies to grants he is a, a partner and they've just been applying to grants and they finally got a massive grant He's been out of his own pocket or like fundraising and this is when he was 30 he's now 32 so my answer is in terms of like career and and family so for my bro i'll speak first for my brother who's a bit older so he's in his 30s right he's 32 mm -hmm. and so he actually started dating uh he's had a you know a bunch of girlfriends and he's now married but I don't know if I can legally say this. <laughs> they wouldn't have been married if it wasn't for legal reasons because she's Chinese. Mm. They met on the program and like they want to be married, but they weren't, they never did a ceremony or anything. It was like a quick job so that when she went back to China, and by the way, she's been stuck in China for almost two years now because oh. uh, America is very crazy about visas, which is why they got married so that they could even apply and she could get in. And then with COVID, they wouldn't let anyone in and for the past six months. And she's finally now getting, she got a visa and is coming to America in like the end of the year, like in November or December. So there's a lot of pressure on her family because she's a single child being Chinese mm -hmm. and her parents are getting older and she's 28. She's getting a lot of pressure from her parents to have children. My dad is 73 which is pretty old for a dad, which is his own fault. He was a bachelor until he was like 35. And there's a lot of pressure for him being the oldest of us to have children, especially with my parents getting older. They're like, we want grandkids, come on. And there's a lot of pressure for my sister, you know, for him. So that's one side is he's constantly getting that pressure. And the way that he stands his ground is, besides the fact his wife is literally not here, is they kind of use the excuse, well, we need to work on our career. We need to settle down first and we need to make our, we need to know that we have a stable income. So that's kind of, that's, and my dad's always like, oh, with every child money follows. Like, I don't think, um, 
we all thought we were going to be married at 25 and have children by 28. And that was like a perfect, and we were going to be like business women and it'd be fine. We could take some time off to read. <laughs> Drink of Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with our girls, you know. Yeah, it just it didn't work out that way. So, for me, I I don't get that flack from my parents. But every time you know I'm starting to date, I do get very like, what is going on with this? Or my parents are like, what, what do you do? Oh, sorry, that's the question I get the most shit for. Mm-hmm. Everyone when I am back home in America. Mm-hmm my parents' age are like, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. What is your job? And I'm like, I do seven things. I have seven different, like I'm a tour guide for multiple things. I, I translate stuff. I work on the side of this. I apprentice someone. Like I've, dog, I've been a dog walker. I, you know, the, I, I produce events sometimes. And people are just like, but what do you what do? You do? <laughs> I, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I go to the beach a lot. Like, what do you? <laughs> I know a- that's how people kind of tie our worth to our job. And I hate that so much. 100%. And that's just yeah. bullshit. That's not mm-hmm. how it is. My biggest advice of when people are constantly asking is, you, you can go many ways. You can just go a sarcastic route or true that people think is sarcastic, which is, I'm figuring it out. You know, you want to, you want to move to a new place. That's you taking independence and ownership for yourself. People are like, well, what are you doing? Well, when are you inviting man? You're finding yourself. When you find yourself, you find the passions, you find the, the, the jobs that honestly jobs are not what you love. Always the hope is If you're comfortable, I would do overnight shifts where I worked from, I love shift work. People really, other people, I love shift work because it means I have different schedules every day. It means I can go to the beach. It means if friends are in town or it meant I could do multiple things without compromising a full-time schedule of job, of, of money, a full-time money, if you will. And a lot of people, they can't work that way. A lot of my friends who are working in offices are struggling with COVID because they're like, I don't know how to work from home or have a loose schedule. They like having, I know my day starts at nine when I go to work and my work stays at home at four. Like it stays there when I go home at four and I don't have to think of that. But I also just have to wait for the weekend to do anything. And so it's just what you're willing to put up with. It's what, if you're willing to put up with a commute, but it's better uh, money, if you're willing to put up with a weirder schedule for me that was totally worth it um until you know as you slowly i slowly just along the way also thought outside the box how can i make money doing fun stuff that i enjoy that is hard because it is also hustling but so you're figuring it out that's the biggest when people ask me i'm doing i'm working on me you know i'm doing me i'm figuring it out the partner will come and if people want to give your shit, so what? They're not living in you. At the end of the day, you have to do you. That's it. So people can give you shit, but you just, it's a really hard process. And I'm not going to lie, it, it still, you can get it stuck on you. If you can learn how to, how to deflect what people say, where it just kind of washes off of you and be like, I hear you. I'm not going to take it in though, because I'm just going to keep doing me.
and it's hard and you have to continuously remind yourself or have a good friend remind you or this podcast i'm here to remind you america (laughs) (laughs) all thousand people who might watch this that you just you gotta do you and you don't need to compromise it you don't need to explain yourself and that's it I hope that can answer some of that. Yeah. <laughs> People might say it's rude. Okay, so what? So what? So what? All right. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast and thank you, Ray, for joining us. Yes, guys. Surprised by your story. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to, for, to me for an hour and a half. <laughs> People need it though. People, because so I did an Instagram poll and I asked uh, my followers from 1825, do you feel the side of Again, you're supposed to go before 30. Everyone said yes, except for no. I want to know who whoever said no. They got their shit together, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, 26 to 29. Um, yeah, most of them said they don't. Yeah, they feel the societal pressures too. So. I think hopefully this podcast helps you out. I hope so. Yeah. And if anybody, yeah, if any of your future um, reader listeners, if any of your future listeners have more questions, I'll be happy. I can always do like a follow up of just answering questions. But uh, you guys are really inspiring me. I f- everyone tells me the YouTube channel because I just do it. I can talk so much, and a fair few people enjoy it. So. What you got to lose? <laughs> <laughs> what are the biggest Work. takeaways? Work on yourself. What you got to lose? You don't have to get your shit together. You don't have there. And also that's an American concept, right? Yeah. Your shit together doesn't exist. That concept does not exist. You are a continuous evolving creature. Yes. yes. And take, yes. just break away from the box. Break away. Surrender to the flow. Ask yourself, what do I need? What are my boundaries? And really state them because you're living that life. Enjoy your passions. Work and passion and job can be separate. You can find harmony. Great. They don't have to. And you don't have to commodify your hobbies. That was a nice little. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) That was a little summary. We want to thank you all for tuning in, and we also want to thank our special guest, Ray, for participating. If you guys want to keep up keep up with us on Instagram, you can follow us on BWNA Podcast. And if you like this podcast, please like, share, and comment. We will see you all next time. Thank you.